Good evening, Vancouver, and welcome back to Canucks After Dark, March 28th. Maybe another one of those episodes where it feels like the end of the road, but who knows? We thought that last week. We thought that we've thought that a lot this year, and and they've surprised us at times. But this uh, it, looking at the rest of the schedule, and this is something that we will go over uh, soon. It's looking kind of kind of rough. As always, joined by my co-host Canuck Clay. How are you doing today, Clay? I'm great, Parker. I really am. But is that why we had no music? Or are we just feeling down, or or we're changing it's a little it up? somber? <laughs> uh, it's a little somber. Also, uh, I didn't have time to test which song we'd want today. There's still there's only eight options, and we've okay. gone through a few of them, and I've gone through all the ones that I like. Uh, true, so we're kind true. of running low a little bit. Uh, but we have four games to go over. I don't think we're yeah. going to spend too too much time on those. Okay. Uh, maybe a little bit more time on the Dallas game because that was more of a fun experience. Uh, yeah. And then we'll talk about the 14 games the Canucks have left because yeah. the Canucks likely have to win 11 of them. Um, yeah. Yeah. Which tall odds, especially, and we'll go through those teams as well. Oh. Um, JT Miller contract numbers floating around, probably at Friedman, yeah. uh, Matthew Highmore injury, Aiden McDonough oh. stuff, two games this week to go over. A lot of stuff on the There's diet tonight. Uh, Clay, where do you want to start today? Do you want to do you want to hit the past? <laughs> well, yes. You know I'm a creature of habit, Parker, for better or for worse. Maybe it comes with my old man experience. So I think we go all the way back to the start of this road trip and a road trip that started off really well, I think. It did, yeah. And it was a game that it, it felt like the Canucks were surrendering a bit from the start uh, when they announced the starter for this game, Yaroslav Halak. <laughs> Uh, and it was the Yaroslav Halak redemption game uh, as the yeah. Canucks go out uh, and take down the Colorado Avalanche, the, the the best team in the league, basically right now, three to one uh, in in a pretty fun fashion as well. Yeah, uh, I think people and we even talked about it. We thought that it would be a split for sure. I remember you saying that. I remember I agreeing with you, me agreeing with you, which I usually do. But I don't know if we got too caught up into which who gets what game. Do you go with the easier team, i.e. Minnesota, for the guaranteed win, which is actually, I guess, a bit of their strategy. Is it you don't want to sit Halak too long, whatever. But yes, I was a little bit scared when I saw that Halak was starting against the best team in the Western Conference. Yeah, and it was a game that went two scoreless periods. The first period <laughs> had nothing. The second period had nothing. Uh, and then a Brock Besser goal, uh, 83 seconds into the third period. Uh, a JT Miller goal. Uh, and then the Canucks got in a little bit of trouble. They gave up one uh, to Kadri on the power play. Uh, and then Bo Horvat sealed it uh, with the empty net. Pedersen almost went offside there, I think. Yeah. Uh, but they did pull this one out. And yeah, it was uh, 32 of 33 for Halak. Uh, his by far his best game in a Canucks uniform. Uh, a lot of people immediately flipping their thoughts on him saying, okay, well, look, you, you didn't play great a lot. You played really well here. Uh, he got the belt. Uh, the Canucks <laughs> survived the the Colorado power play one for five, uh, while the Canucks only had the one power play that whole game. Uh, a lot went right for the Canucks, even if maybe they weren't necessarily the better team out there. You make a great point about the power play. Usually, we'd be freaking out if the Canucks allow one power play. Go, oh, they're not going to win because they they have to go perfect. So it isn't funny perspective. We were happy that the Canucks only gave up one. They still went four for five. It wasn't perfect. And then, yeah, it's kind of weird how maybe it speaks to who dominated to carry the game because 
we only got one power play opportunity. That generally means you're not controlling the play. That generally means you're chasing the puck as opposed to controlling it. So uh, special teams, uh, it could be in a lot worse. Let's put it that way. Yeah, and uh, I, you know, I like the the sort of analytics side, the expected goals. Yeah, um, yeah. the Canucks technically had the advantage, uh, three point five to about three point one, but that includes the Bo Horvat empty netter, which always <laughs> was a big jump. Uh, so if we go just five on five, actually don't do five on five because I guess there was a lot of power play time. Um, five on five, the Canucks were were the better team by expected goals. Um, yeah. but you know, you put, uh, all situations in those five power plays for Colorado, they get a goal there, uh, but the Canucks do just sort of survive the onslaught and, uh, and Halak survives the onslaught. And, um, it, it was a game that got the Canucks up to a about 10% chance of making the playoffs, um, after this game mm. and, uh, it, it didn't feel like it wasn't like, oh, this is the start of something good, right? They're going to go on a run here. It was like, okay, well, they still have a tough road trip ahead. Um, uh, but hey, they they beat Colorado, which is nice. Yeah, and it's we had to feel good for Halak, uh, whatever narrative you want to paint. And we talked about this a lot, Parker, in last week's show, the whole exchange between him and Boudreaux on the bench when he got put in that one game against Calgary, I guess it was. And uh, yeah, he. I'm just so glad. Uh, of course at the Canucks one, but he, he did it for himself. And you could see how happy the guys were, as you mentioned, when he got the, the Canucks championship belt in the dressing room. Yeah, no, it was a good story. Uh, it was good to good to see him a bit fired up. Yeah. Um, and then, so the Canucks took that game. They took the two points yep. and they went on to Minnesota. And Minnesota is also a good hockey team. Uh, they've struggled yes. a little bit at times, uh, but they are a, a very good hockey team. Uh, and they could have won this game. They genuinely could have won this game. They have Bo Horvat scoring uh, in the first five minutes. Uh, so the Canucks have a lead for a short time. They give it up. Uh, so after one period, it's a it's a tie game. It's 1-1. Canucks are still in it. Shots were 10-8 to for Vancouver in the first period. And everything's good. Second period, Fiala gets on the board. Makes it 2-1 Minnesota. Uh, shots in the second, 13-10 Minnesota. They had sort of taken over the game. And that continued into the third period where Minnesota was the, the better team. But the Canucks get an opportune power play. And it's JT Miller. Uh, just a, I think it was just a wrister that he just put through the goaltender uh, yep. to tie the game at two uh, and force OT, which didn't go well again. <laughs> so, yeah, so we, we can talk about it. And Parker, what is it with, um, what is it with the slow starts for Vancouver, at basically the slow finishes, the quick finishes, I could say, for the other team in that. Uh, this is the one. I, I love, Actually, I haven't talked to you about this. I love your thoughts. Do you give JT Miller a pass? He's been our best player. He's probably exhausted. The whole team got to bed at 4 a.m. We know all the story now, traveling from Colorado after playing a game in high altitude. And do you say, man, the guy was gassed. He gave an effort. He almost ended the game himself. He put it off the post. So what? how close can you get? Pedersen makes a pinch, Hughes gets caught, and then Miller is trying to do a two-on-one, which became a breakaway. Or do you say, man, we're scratching and crawling for every single point. He's got to give a better effort. What says you? I'm kind of I'm kind of in the middle on it. I think yeah. he could have, yeah, he could have done more. Um yeah. I mean, he that that shot was half an inch away from ending it. Uh yeah. right. So that was close. Uh, and I was looking right when he shot that power, like, man, that right side is open. There is a gap. Uh Talbot left that side out. And, uh, and unfortunately he caught the post. He goes back the other way. 
it is only, you know, he gets beat probably only like 28 seconds into OT, right? <laughs> and it wasn't like it was a super high-flying OT yet. Um, so he should have more in the tank at that point. True. Um, True. I think I think he just sort of quit on it. Uh, and that's not great, but it also doesn't mean he's a bad hockey player and we should hate him <laughs> for it. Um, he It just sort of seems to be the, the player he is where he get, goes on these stretches where he's super inspired and he puts the team on his back and then there's stretches where he just sort of quits on the play and bad things happen sometimes. Yeah. Um, and that's just sort of who he is. True. And context is key. Obviously we're not so worried about it. If the Canucks are in a playoff spot and they give away a point to a non yeah, sure. In the same conference, but they're really not chasing Minnesota, but I guess because of the context, the fact that we are, we are, you know, scratching and crawling for every point and JT Miller, he's so good. He's 80 points this season. He's on pace for between 90 and hundred. So I would, I'll take the good and the bad with him truly. Cause yep. I'm sure he's, he's won more games for us than he's lost. Yep. It's a good trade. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that's basically it for that game. Uh, so the Canucks yeah. get a point, yeah. uh, not, not a perfect, uh, night out. Keep in mind that was a back to back. Uh, yeah. so getting a point in that game is, is something that you would take. Um, expected goals in this one, uh, 2.8 to 1.5 in favor of Minnesota. Uh, mm. so that game, like Minnesota was the better team. Um, you look at the heat map. It is insane. Uh, the Vancouver Canucks heat map. It is like evenly spread throughout the <laughs> entire offensive zone. It's just like, it is a perfect, even dots everywhere in the zone. Even Minnesota, heat. Minnesota, same thing. Yeah. And then there's about 13 dots in the crease, <laughs> like right in the slot, uh, like in that home plate area. Uh, and that was the real, you know, that was the real difference in, in the expected goals metric, at least because, because that's where most goals come from. Um, this brought the Canucks odds to make the playoffs up to 11.6% uh, per hmm. money puck. So it gave them a bit of a boost, um, you know, getting a point that day and, Things came to sort of a head on Saturday. They they had a, a game against Dallas, which is one of the teams that they are they really are up against, right? This is the team yeah. that um, they have to they basically have to beat uh, Dallas if they want a playoff spot. They have to get ahead of like Edmonton and Dallas is sort of their uh, their spot of where they have to be. And uh, yep. this was a fun game. I'll let you sort of. Tell the story. <laughs> well, thank you, Parker. It was the proverbial four-point game because, yes, we were chasing, playing against the team we were chasing. And you and I got to watch this game together with three dozen of our closest podcasts and YouTube friends. Yes, I, as many of you guys know, I had my second ever meetup. And Parker, uh, truly, I know we were texting. You were saying you're going to try and make it. I was I was honored. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not just saying that. I was very flattered and honored that you, you came down. And I thought it was great because we were able to, not just me, we were able to meet people on here that support uh, our individual channels. We were able to meet people that support this channel. But more important than me and you and the people that were there, it was just a great game. It was awesome. It was awesome. People cheering. Bruce, there it is. Lucas Gates leading that chant. Uh, good food, good drinks, some giveaways, and a big Canucks win led by Pedersen. And it's two amazing goals. Well, one amazing goal and one kind of fluky one, but two great goals. Yeah, no, it was a it was a very very fun time, a very yeah. very fun game too. Um, you know, there was a ton of awesome people there. Uh, it was a, it was a great time, and yeah, for the Canucks to to go out and play the way they did, and and you said only one of Patterson's goals was great. I think they were both really good. Uh, we've been worried a little yeah. bit about Patterson's wrist. Uh, True, and he goes out. He didn't get any loft on this one. 
but the first, <laughs> you know, they're down one nothing, uh, three quarters of the way through the second period. Gunk's got a power play, and yeah. he one times it from his spot, and it is hard and it is low, and it's just yep. perfectly placed five hole. You gotta think, um, who was their goalie again? Uh, that night was uh, Ottinger. 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 Yeah. yeah you got to think Ottinger's thinking he's going high, right? Of course. Pedersen of course. loves going just right next to the goalie's head uh, as he slides over, goes on the other side of your head. There's there's really nothing you can do about it when it's that well placed. Uh, so Pedersen goes low, goes five hole. Ottinger's mid slide goes perfectly through. Uh, so the Canucks tied at one there. We go to the third period, and um, this is what Mike McKenna called uh, the yeah. best goal he's ever seen. Or the best high, shot he's ever seen. That's high praise, man. That's high praise coming from a an ex goalie. And it's it's kind of hard to argue it, right? Like it's it's a textbook goal. Yeah, yeah, he comes in down the right wing. It's Joe Pavelski playing defense, uh, but Pavelski plays it fine. Uh, this he's got the stick. He, he's coming backwards. His stick is coming across in between his legs. There's almost nowhere to shoot. And Pedersen loves to do this move. And I try to do it in beer league, <laughs> where you just like you toe drag and shoot through the guy's legs. I hit shin pads every time, yeah, every yeah. single time. So Elias Pedersen pulls it about half a foot, maybe eight inches to the inside, fires it between Pavelski's stick and his legs, which is impressive enough, right? That's a tight window to hit. And yeah. then it is perfectly placed to the point where it's over the shoulder, off the crossbar, off the post and in. It couldn't have been better placed. It was perfect speed. It was perfect everything. Uh, it was a, it was just a sniper's goal. Uh, it ends up being his 200th point of his career. Nice, nice. And uh, he's, I think he's put to rest any fears. I know he had a horrible start under Green. He was less than uh, 0.5 points per game. Since then, he's almost been 0.9. So his career pace. So I, I don't think we have to worry about him. And before, I know we're going to talk about the sequence of all sequences in the third period. But uh, it wasn't it weird too how the first Dallas goal scorer is also named Peterson. They call him PD. I just oh, do watched they call them that they do. I watched Rick bonus and the, the Dallas post game. Cause I always, I love watching the post game of the other team when we beat them. Cause just mm. cause I like to see if they give us credit and bonus did it, which you'd expect to do, but he called him PD and he was talking about how good PD's game was. And it took me about a minute to figure out he was talking about their PD and not ours. Fair enough. <laughs> um, yeah. Then like you said, there was that sequence uh, where, where Thatcher Demko uh, just did Thatcher Demko things. <laughs> Um, and I think we missed it a bit because the audio wasn't super loud. Yeah. We were chatting um, and we eating, were, yeah, there was lots yeah, of other, yeah. you know, other noise. And, uh, so we couldn't, we didn't really hear shorty's call, um, right. on the play. Yeah. Um, but the, the sort of, uh, scorpion ish, like kicking up the right pad to make that first save, um, and just being there with like 30 people and, and everyone was like, Oh my God. <laughs> like everyone was like, what just happened? And they kept going. Uh, Asa Lindell puts it off the post, but on replay, Pedersen actually tips it with his stick. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was a phenomenal play. And then going back and watching the highlight after and hearing Shorty's call on it, it was perfect. It was awesome. It was exciting. Um, it was uh, an amazing sequence that literally won the game for the Vancouver Canucks. <laughs> Yeah, Lindell, he was the one who got stoned on the Scorpion. And then he he's a defenseman, which is kind of funny. He just kind of stayed in front of the net the whole time. Yeah. And then he had he puts it off the post. You're right, a great defensive play by Petey. Robertson had two point-blank looks. Uh, it was it was nuts. Guys were losing their sticks. Guys were flying all over the place. 
it was very reminiscent. And you were at that game, right? The Rangers game where he did the Scorpion yeah. save. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, it's crazy. Uh, it's yeah. crazy that he can do that consistently. Like that he, yeah. he's done that more than once this year. Yeah. Um, he's, it's, it's so awesome. Uh, and man, you got to feel for Lindell there. Uh, <laughs> you, when you get robbed like that and like, there's nothing you can do about it, right? The goalie just, you just got beat yeah. um, by the goalie on that save. Yeah. You, you think about that for a long time though. You're just like, what if I, what if yeah. I just pulled it back half a, half a, half a length and gone under the crossbar. Or totally, like this totally. And but like on, on any other goalie on any other night, really, right. That probably goes in. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thatcher Demko, like he doesn't say that every time. So it's just, it, it was a crazy play. Uh, Dallas has to pull the goalie, Bo Horvat once again, an empty netter. Uh, yeah. And then for good measure, after I had stopped sort of paying attention to the game and was more <laughs> focused on, on my poutine, uh, <laughs> JT Miller uh, scored again. And I was yeah. like, oh, wait, why is this a replay? <laughs> like what's going on? Uh, but uh, yeah, four one ends up being the final. Yeah. So it was a great time. Great company, great game. And we were feeling good. We were sitting there saying, wow, we've taken five out of six points on this road trip. We do need six to make it that, that 750 that we got to kind of aim for for the rest of the season. And then tonight happened. Tonight didn't go great. Yeah. Uh, and it was another slow start for the Canucks. Um, yeah. Uh, St. Louis came out hot out of the gate. They looked dangerous out of the gate. Um, and let me see if I can pull up the pull up the old game center. Oh, by yeah. the way, honorable mention while we're still talking about that, that Saturday night. Uh, another highlight of that night was staying around after and watching Edmonton get the doors <laughs> blown off of them nine to five. Uh, Cause we were watching, we watched the first two periods as yep. a group there and it it's was crazy five after two. And it was very entertaining. Um, yeah. But uh, that's just a, a side note. Um, so the Canucks uh, get scored on early uh, six and a half minutes into this game tonight. Uh, Scandella gets on the board. This is so unlucky. Oh, um, shot goes off of the stick of Will Lockwood. Yeah, uh, pops up into the air, uh, or sort of over Halak and then hits Scandella. I don't know. It looked like he did. He batted in out of the air. You know what's crazy, Parker? I watched it. It actually hit Halak twice. It hit his shoulder, then it hit his stick, then it hit the crossbar, and then it hit Scandella. Yeah. So just unlucky uh, that that uh, St. Louis gets on the board, but yeah. they'd been creating a lot of pressure. Uh, it sort of felt like one was coming at some yep. point, and they yep. get on the board. Um, Canucks answered back a little bit, uh, for a couple minutes there. And then Perron scores. Um, this was just a wicked shot. It was a two on one, uh, sort of a failed, uh, Garland. Oh yeah. So Garland gets stripped. He's sort of the last man back. He's lost four. He's sort of covering for a D man. Yeah. Uh, and he just gets the puck pulled right off of his stick. Uh, it's Barbashev and Perron. Barbashev goes over to Perron and it's a wicked shot, uh, just under the bar. Yep. Uh, tough to save two, nothing. Uh, St. Louis. Uh, second period was a lot better for the Canucks. Yes. I think they got the first nine shots of the second period um, yeah. credited to them. Uh, there was the Tanner Pearson uh, chance in front that was really close uh, that they couldn't get past uh, Huso, who has been absolutely fantastic this year. Yep. Um, and then all of their momentum sort of dies when Horvat takes that delay of game penalty. Um, just uh, he tried to backhand it off the glass and it was like an inch, an inch too high. Um, mm. But you just can't do that. Uh, you can't do that. Uh, they killed it, but they go to the third period. They're down two goals. It was one of those games where 
you know, th- this team under Boudreaux has had these games where they've gone down to the third, down two, or down one, even down three, and it hasn't really, like, it's felt like they can come back in it. And with the way that second period was, there was a hint of that, but I never yeah. really got the sense that they were going to be lighting the lamp really on on Huso. That's a great point. I agree with you, Parker, because I think St. Louis, they well, obviously they won the cup three years ago. They are, they're not say the powerhouse that Colorado and Calgary have proved to be, but they are a solid team. And you know that Huso looked really good. We hadn't beaten them in two periods. And St. Louis, they're not the fastest team, but I noticed they're big. They got some big boys on the blue line. They got some some beef up front. Even Tarasenko, I never appreciated how big he was until tonight. They guys were trying to get him off the off the off the puck and everything. So I, I just thought St. Louis, they're they're a pretty structured team. They're they're pretty solid. And I agree with you. This unlike the Dallas game where we were going into the third behind, uh, and you, but we still thought maybe because we were all together, we thought they'd win. This one, I would agree with you. It was going to be tough. And then we let. Uh, we they let in that early third period goal that really basically said to us uh, this isn't happening tonight yeah and it, it didn't it just didn't feel like it right it didn't feel yeah. like the Canucks were all that close uh, to yep. getting through very often um, surprising stat in this game actually we'll get over sort of the rest of the game uh, sure first. Um, there, there it is um, so Tarasenko scores early in the third yeah, uh, this again unlucky. It's a it's a sort of a shot that's gonna go wide. Halak yeah. just hits his stick and then pops back to Tarasenko who scores. Uh Brad Hunt makes it uh 3-1 shortly after, goes on a little three-on-one with Lamico and, and Chase on. Chase on almost goes offside. Uh, but Brad Hunt with a good <laughs> shot. Uh pretty like a actually a pretty wicked shot. Yeah. Make it 3-1. Uh, and then the Canucks get a power play down two goals and a chance to come back in this game and make it a one-goal game, and they allow two two-on-ones for the St. Louis Blues. Um, Patterson loses his man at one point. Yeah. It's a two-on-one. Uh, they had another one like 30 seconds later. Just an awful power play. Halak made some good saves, uh, but that was really their best chance to get back in it. Uh, it didn't work, and uh, Tarasenko would add the insurance marker uh, on the empty net uh, with about two minutes to go, and yeah. that was it. It's a little frustrating because the Canucks power play as their penalty kill, they've actually been quite good in the past month. But yeah, Besser had that one chance short side, but you're right. I, I get it. I get the Canucks are pressing. I get that they have four forwards out there, one D-man. That's why generally you'll get a two-on-one if you're pressing uh, on the power play. But yeah, that it just never felt like that we were going to beat Huso, it, it, unfortunately. And Halak was good. And I know I see a couple of comments in there. Oh, they should have started... Um, you know, started Demko, but I, I don't think you can blame Halak. They should have scored for... more than one goal. Yeah. Would be yeah, my it's, argument. It's kind of like the Halak bump or lack of bump. They don't seem to score when he's in the net. <laughs> Poor guy. Yeah. So expected goals in this one uh, were 3.5 for St. Louis. Now keep yeah. in mind that includes uh, the, their empty netter had a 80% chance of going in. So 0.8 of that is their empty netter. Okay. Um, so other than that, about 2.7 ish, uh, expected goals. Halak allowed three slightly worse than expected, but not all that bad. Yeah. Uh, the Canucks expected yeah. goals tonight were 4.35, uh, at least really. Puck. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that came, uh, in the second period, of course, uh, there was the, there was a Horvat chance apparently with, uh, with three eighteen to go that had a 60% chance of going in that didn't. Um, wow. Wow. And, and that was, I guess that's, that's a big chunk of the expected goals. 
Um, but yeah, it was it was a game that was really dominated by the Miller line. That was the only real line that felt like they were going for the Canucks. Yeah. Uh, and then Connor Garland got pulled off of it uh, because he had that bad giveaway and then he basically got benched. Garland was noticeable in the first period for sure, both good and bad because yeah. of uh, he was a he was a buzzsaw out there i actually i don't know about you parker i know he's our, our our quietly our favorite prospect so to speak but i thought lockwood was really good especially in the first period like maybe not so noticeable the second two periods but first period i thought he was hitting he had i think he led the yeah he led the team in with five hits tonight so i i thought lockwood was really good and really noticeable in that first but you can only do so much when you're playing with the Patans and Richardsons of the world, to be honest yeah. with you. Yeah. Looks like he got credited with four hits. Uh, four hits. Okay, thank away, you. But yeah. Yeah. He was good. Uh, 10 minutes of ice time, four hits. Uh, yep. you're, you're pretty okay with that. Yeah. Um, you know, unfortunately, Tanner Pearson, a minus three, uh, JT Miller, a minus three. <laughs> and even though they were, they felt like they were dominating the play when they were out there, right? Yeah. Um, it just, uh, it just didn't go their way. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and yeah, it's it just an unfortunate game. Uh, so we got a who sold. Yeah, we got who sold. They did, and it yeah. happens quite often to this team where they they just can't score, yeah. um, on goalies that maybe they should be able to score on. So I think their shooting percentage, and I look at this every once in a while. It's got to be low, right? I think we've talked about this before. Uh, if I go to, uh, oh, where's what stat is it? Shots by type. There we go. Hmm. Shooting percentage. The Vancouver Canucks have the sixth worst in the NHL at 8.7%. So the average goalie they go up against is about a 9.11 save percentage. Yeah. Uh, and the median is about a 9.5 say, uh, shot or shooting percentage. Okay. Um, yeah. And it's been a, a real story uh, for the Canucks. that There's just games where they play okay and they can't get anything in the net. Uh, yeah. And that, that hurt them tonight. So Parker, they, is it a, a case of, when you consider the quality of opponent, all, all four good teams from the central, the fact that we got five points is actually quite impressive, yep. but it's unfortunately too little too late given the crappy homestand they had last week. Yeah. Cause remember after last week, we, it was over. Right. And that's why <laughs> they, they traded Tyler Mott. Uh, they, they were done. Uh, the only way that they would not have been done is basically if they had won three of the four games and uh-huh. they were a point away from that, basically. Yeah. Um, and again, they're technically still alive. Playoff odds per money puck down to about 9.1%. Um, Hockey Viz, I think, has them at 11. The Athletic Ugh. doesn't update till the morning, but I imagine they're going to be, they're usually a little bit on the higher side, so probably 11, 12% as well. Yeah. Um, it's not looking good. And, and the reason for that is the Canucks have to win, most likely, <laughs> 11 out of the next 14 games. Now, under Boudreaux, they win yeah. what? Two out of every three-ish? Yeah. yeah. So if they were to win two out of every three, that's what? Nine point something out of 14 games. Right. So they need to exceed their excellent pace that they have been on over the past, you know, however many months. Here's where the problem lies. The problem lies in the teams that they play against. Easy ones, right? No. <laughs> so... The, these, these are their 14 games. Wednesday, it's the Blues at home. I think the Canucks are probably favored to win this game just because they're at home, mm-hmm. but it's probably barely. Like I'd imagine that I'd imagine like odds makers will have it at like like minus 115, like basically yeah. so close to even. Um, 
but maybe like a 52% chance for the Canucks or something like that. Okay. Then they have a home and home against Vegas. Now, Vegas is a better hockey team than Vancouver. They have been struggling a lot lately. Um, so maybe, who knows? Maybe they have a chance to win some of these games. Then they get Arizona. In Arizona, that should be a winnable game. They get San Jose in Vancouver. That should be a winnable game. Then they go to Vegas. Or no, the Vegas comes here again. A tough one. Uh, then they have Arizona, which might be winnable. They have Dallas, mm. which is tough. Um, yeah. they beat Dallas on Saturday, but they're, they're a decently tough team. Ottawa should be beatable. Minnesota is tough. Calgary is tough. Seattle should be winnable. LA is tough. Edmonton's tough. So wow. looking at that, that's not a crazy hard schedule. You can only lose three. Yeah. That's where it gets tricky. Uh, you can lose four if you lose like two of them in OT. Right, right. Maybe, right? You can go like 10, 1, and 2, or 10, 2, and 2, yeah. or something along those lines. Yeah. Uh, but basically, it's looking tricky. Because uh, let's, let's, hand, let's, what three games can they lose? Like the Calgary one. Yeah. The LA one. And let's say one of the Vegas ones. One of the Vegas ones. Yeah. yeah. Right. So that means, that means in their next, if we're going to say they can lose to Calgary, LA, and Vegas. That means that they have to win nine of their next 10. Yeah. Because the, the Flames game and the Kings game are, are in the last four. So we're basically saying if the Canucks lose two more games in the next 24 days, it's over. And and Parker, even, even if we don't allocate the three losses... What I heard from you is nine of those games are against teams that are higher than us in the standings, and only five aren't. The two Arizona, the two San Jose, and the one Seattle. Is that correct? Everyone else is higher than us in the standings. Ottawa's in there too. Oh, shoot. There's an Ottawa one. Okay, so eight and six then. And San Jose is in there. Right. Twice San Jose or just once? Once. Oh, that's either way. Call it middle, yeah. call it halfway, yeah. right? Yeah. Say half the teams are above, half the teams are below. Yeah. Well, you have to beat all the teams that are below you, which is hard. <laughs> Because they don't beat the teams that are below them every time. Right. And then you have to beat half of the teams that are above you. Uh, more than half. Sounds easy, right? Oh, man. And 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 even let's look at the... Everyone's talking about these three Vegas games. Realistically, Parker, I don't think Vegas is going to win all three. But I don't think Vancouver is going to win all three. If Vancouver wins two of the three, you're only swinging two points and you're burning three games. It's not like you're burning you're gaining six points that right. So we have right. to be realistic here. Yeah. Right now. The thing is, keep in mind, Vegas is only three points ahead of the Canucks. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So in theory, you do that, you're one point back, but again, that's so far down the line that it's, it's hard to, <laughs> hard to really envision. Basically the Canucks, the, the way the Canucks make the playoffs is they pass either Vegas and Edmonton. Yeah. Or Vegas and LA. <laughs> which yeah. sounds harder, but I mean, they're they all almost the same amount of points as Edmonton uh, or they have to pass Vegas and Dallas and Nashville. And so and Winnipeg's hanging around too. Right. And Winnipeg actually, and Winnipeg. Yeah, I guess <laughs> Winnipeg too. So basically <laughs> I guess, yeah, so it would be Vegas and Winnipeg and Dallas, and then that would be enough. Um, 
but basically the 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 Canucks are just they need basically Edmonton to completely fall apart. They won six <laughs> one tonight, by the way, okay. uh, and they need Vegas to continue to fall apart more. Um, but yeah, the Canucks have won three of their last ten. That that's sort of the story, uh, and yeah. that's that's why they're in the position they're in. Um, if they had kept up, they're winning two out of every three. And let's say they had won six of their last ten, yep. right? Uh, then maybe they'd have three to six more points because uh, they had three OTLs. Let's say they had five more points. Well, they'd be in a they wouldn't be in a playoff spot, but they would be one point one point out, right? Yes, and they're yep. not because yep. they they fell apart uh, a couple of weeks ago. It's so frustrating. Uh, we can't. I I get the theory that every game is worth the same amount of points in the standings, two or three if it gets extra time. I get that. But you look at how do we not score in Detroit when everyone else scores 10 on them? <laughs> That's what they... 11 even. <laughs> yeah, I saw a stat. Detroit has now allowed on separate occasions this year exactly 0, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, and 11 goals against what? in a game. What? That which is, is the craziest stat. Um, a very impressive stat. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they are they are they are allowing a lot of goals. Yeah. Uh, they've allowed 253 goals this year, which is the most in the NHL. Uh, and the Canucks just couldn't do anything about it. By the way, Parker, speaking of Detroit, um, what's one stat that the Canucks were leading the league in all season, almost record pace, and they actually Leapfrog ahead of Detroit. Guess which stat that is. Yeah, that it would be penalty kill percentage. <laughs> they were in the 60s all year. They've broken through uh, some great PK over the last two weeks, really. Amazing, yeah. And are up to 72.8%, uh, while Detroit has 72.4. Now, keep in mind, Detroit has allowed 60 more goals this season than the Canucks. Because so, they are that bad defensively. And their penalty kills are still that similar. That's um, really bad. That's bad. It is really bad. But hey, the Canucks aren't worst anymore, which is Whoa. nice. That'll be an interesting race to watch. Down yeah. the wire. All right. Um, <sighs> so do you want to? We have a bunch of other stuff to talk about. Yeah. I mean, let's, let's do. Go. Let's do a quick preview of these two games coming up because there's only sure. two games this week. Uh, the Blues. Yeah. What do you know about the St. Louis Blues, the team that we literally just saw them lose to today? <laughs> well, what's interesting is I want to, I'm curious to see who the goalies are going to be. You know, what's going to be Demko for the Canucks. Boudreaux has gone out and said as much. And that was kind of his motivation too, for starting Halak. He didn't want the Blues to see the same goalie twice. And Halak, you want to reward him. He did play well against Colorado and no, you and I aren't certainly aren't blaming him. So we know Demko is going to be in our net. The question is, I wonder who, because we, we do really well against Biddington. Yes, it's a travel day, but if St. Louis travels tomorrow, or I don't know when they'll travel, I don't know if they travel tonight, so they get a day in here. Maybe they go Huso uh, to start to make because he's kind of in the Canucks' head. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, well, they they basically split Bennington and Huso this year. Oh, okay, okay. Um, I think they both have, and I can't pull it up because the NHL's website isn't that great. Um, but I think if I remember correctly, I, I think Bennington's played like thirty and Huso's played like twenty eight. Okay. Uh, they, okay. They've basically played the exact same amount of games. Yeah. Huso uh, started 28 games, played in 29. Yeah. And he has a 924 this season. Wow. So he's their starter. Uh, he started their last four games. Um, really? I, I think he'll, yeah, I think he'll actually, yeah, I think he'll continue that. Okay. Um, yeah. He's a, uh, he's a really good goalie. 
Um, and yeah. Demko is also a really good goalie. Maybe it's enough to swing the tide a little bit. Um, yeah. remember every game is a must win now. Uh, it so, is. uh, you know, it's, uh, they're in for, uh, you know, St. Louis is a tough team. You mentioned it yeah. too. They're, they're big. Uh, yeah. they got some guys who can throw the body around a lot. Uh, we yeah. saw, um, Brad Hunt take a bit of an iffy hit earlier today. <laughs> Okay. Um, that guy's massive. Whoever that guy is, that guy's huge. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what was his name? Uh, yeah, it sounds the, like Tarasenko, but it's not. Tchenko, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that'll be a, that'll be a tough team. And then I imagine they go they go Demko and Demko um, yeah. on Sunday uh, matinee game, four o'clock home game on the Sunday. Yeah, uh, which is weird because against Vegas, which is also Pacific time. Um, so not totally sure why that is, but. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Vegas has been a team that uh, the Canucks have, have struggled with historically. Um, I don't know how did they do against them this year. They lost seven four once, and that yeah. was the only time they played them, right? Yeah, because we got them three in a row. By the way, I'm just looking at St. Louis. Check this out, Parker Torchenko, six foot six, Bertuzzo, six foot four, Mikula. I don't know that guy plays six foot four. Pareko, six foot six, Scandella, six foot three. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They got some big guys. Oh, oh. One okay, thing so I what forgot do you think- to mention? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. By the way, when we were talking about if the Canucks could win eleven of the fourteen games, they have three sets of back-to-backs left. What? As well. Uh, okay. So they've got uh, next Wednesday, Thursday, uh, Vegas, Arizona. They have. Um, oh, what were the other ones? Uh, unless I'm complete. Yeah, uh, 18th, 19th, uh, Dallas and Ottawa, both of those at home, and the yeah. last two games of the season are also back-to-backs against the Kings and Oilers. Oilers is in Edmonton though, right? Yes. Uh, so th- that could be three. Lo- oh, whatever. Let's not attribute the three losses, but uh, the point is tough competition and three back-to-backs in there too. Yeah. Yeah. It's not looking good. Great. Great. All right. <laughs> uh, what else do we want to talk about? Do you want to talk about JT Miller? Yeah, let's do that. Okay. Uh, Elliot Freeman, I think went on Donnie and Dolly uh friday or today i don't know when was this uh, i think it's I, today actually today um and said the the number floating around seems to be his projection at least eight years eight and a half million dollars uh now i don't know about you that's a little rich yeah 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 that's uh was zuccarello the comparable parker is that what we saw i think so yeah okay so eight years, eight point five. So wow, Zuccarello is only making six. He's five by six. Uh, so maybe that wasn't the comparison. Oh, was it? Oh, bad. was it Zabenajad? Yeah, look at that. I always get those two guys mixed up. We'll start with the same letter. <laughs> Let's go with Zabenajad. Uh, no, he. Oh yeah, he got an extension. Yeah, he makes eight and a half for the next okay. eight after this there one. We, okay, so that's uh, the exact same thing we're talking about. <laughs> okay. Um, he's turning 30, right? Or he's, he's turning 29. What's JT Miller doing? He's, he's turning 30. Turning, I think he's, Oh, he's 29 right now. Yeah. He just turned 29. Okay. Uh, so he will be 30 at the end of next season, which and is when the new contract would kick in. So it would be from his year 30 to, he would just yeah. turn 38 when it expires. He's durable Parker, but I don't know if you want any paying any guy eight and a half million at when he's 35, 36, 37 years old yeah um <laughs> and there's a lot of things that that sort of hint that this you know this is the best year jt miller's had right yeah 
not by a super long shot, right? 2019-20, he had 72 points in 69 games. So yeah. he's doing a little better this year than that year. Um, his he, his shooting percentage is high, right? 16.3%. Um, but his career, he's averaged 14.4, right? You take out the first two years of his career where he was at 4.6 and 6.5. Yeah. Uh, he's been, you know, he's been in the sort of 16, 14 range his entire career. Um, his, I'm going to pull up, um, hockey reference here. Cause they give some good stats, uh, hockey reference. Um, so th- one thing I've heard about is on ice shooting percentage, and I'll see if I can find that here. Hmm. Um, possession metrics on ice shooting percentage. Uh, so when JT Miller is on the ice, uh, the Canucks score on 12.6% of their shots, which is a little high. Keep in mind mm-hmm. the Canucks as a team. Remember, we just talked about this. What was their yeah. shooting percentage? Like nine, eight, eight, 8.5 yeah. or something. So, so it's a little bit inflated. And again, that yeah. could be good chance creation and, and all that stuff. But, um, you know, it, it does sort of speak to, um, you know, they could inflate your stats a little bit. Um, yeah. But overall, he's a he's a really good hockey player. Is he going to be good for eight years? Probably not. Most yeah. people aren't. Most people aren't Joe Pavelski. Yeah. Um, so that's it, it's risky, and it's it's a team. It's something a, a team that is contending right now is probably willing to take on. Right, you're willing to pay for that long term to get him now. Uh, I just don't think the Canucks are in that boat. Yeah, it's funny. I was giggling inside when you said on ice shooting percentage. I get that it means when he's on the ice, but I was thinking for anyone on the ice, like where else would your shooting percentage be from? Like off the bench shooting, whatever. But okay, so I get that. You can go, you can try and go six years, but then of course now you're looking at nine million, right? Or nine, nine and a quarter or something higher than eight and a half. Yeah, if you yeah the, the price goes up for sure. Oh. Wow, what a pickle. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it is a tricky spot uh, for the Canucks to be in. Now, remember, yep. they didn't trade him at the deadline because okay. they had time, and they do have time. They don't have to extend him this off season, but yep. they have to make a decision by the trade deadline next year, right? They have basically a year. Um, so, do you want to ride with JT Miller into next season yep. and see how it goes? Yep. You run the risk. That my fear there is that the Canucks are like fifth in the Western Conference at the trade deadline, like second or third in the division, barely. And they say, well, we can't trade him. And then they lose him for nothing. Or they sign him to a crazy amount of money. So for me, I feel like the decision sort of has to be made in the offseason, right? I feel like you have to make that call and say, okay, are we making that move? If yes that like if we're trading him we can get a lot for him right yeah. multiple firsts probably some good prospects things along those lines um or you're shelling out you know 68 million dollars uh to JT Miller <laughs> and uh, can you highlight Jack's comment please this last one that starts a crazy hot take because he, Jack's not wrong in, in about Horvat Miller cuz we've we've talked about that about all three of Besser Horvat and Miller, and we if we're talking extensions, eight and a half, and then Horvat's going to want seven, and then Besser is going to at least seven. And a half. You can't. We talked about this. You can't pay those guys. You can't have twenty four million locked up in those three guys. You can't. You can't. Yeah. yeah. So 
So Horvat makes five and a half right now. Yeah. Um, does he get a big raise though? Well, I think he's at least in the sixes, don't you? Probably. Yeah. But I don't think that's like a I don't think okay. that's like a game breaking amount of money, right? I think okay. if, I think if you're paying him six and a half, yeah, I think you're fine there, right? Okay. Uh, and you're still, I mean, he turns 27 though, like in in a week, right? Yeah. Like he's already 27, which is crazy to think about. Um, so yeah, if, if yeah. you're thinking what you're going to give him what six more years at at six and a half uh, until he's 33, I'm not too worried about his, him falling off a cliff at 33. Right. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I think, I don't think you have to make a decision on Horvat. Uh, I think you can extend him and I think three years into that contract, you can trade him if you have to, um, Miller's a little trickier though. Yeah. And you know, what's fascinating. Remember when the Canucks sucked and then, uh, before Bruder came on and we would spend like we're doing now, we'd spend a lot of time talking about the, the Besser Horvat. Miller dilemma. Then the Canucks started playing well, and then we kind of left it alone. Trade deadline happened, and there and then we found out there was really no serious talk. The Canucks set a high asking price, and no team came even close. But now, with the Canucks likely on their way out on the outside looking in, it's going to heat up again, especially closer to draft time. So, not only is the Besser decision going to be a big one, you're I agree with you. The Miller one, I think they're going to have to start leaning towards a decision this summer. I agree with you completely. And that's, that's fascinating to me. Yeah. And I think it's cause I think it's cause there's the fear of running out of time, right? Uh, at the draft, you have all the leverage, right? You have the extension in your pocket still. Uh, you have like, so teams can't just be like, ah, we know you're going to lose them for nothing. We'll only give you one first or something, right? You have the extension in your back pocket at the draft table, there's a bunch of currency and thrown around. Teams can go over the cap uh, by 10% or whatever it is. And and it's sort of the, I think, the best time you're going to have value for Miller because he priced himself out of this deadline, um, <laughs> right? Teams aren't able to spend that much uh, capital uh, at, this de- at a trade deadline. So to me, it makes the most sense that, you know, we could be watching the last 14 games uh, of JT Miller in Vancouver mm-hmm. um, because he should go get paid, right? Yeah. Like, I got nothing I got nothing against him asking for $8.5 million. If you want $10 million, go get it, right? Like, <laughs> that's yeah. your that's your job. Uh, go try to get – try to screw another team over and get them to pay you $11 million. That would be great. <laughs> I think I, I think I'm turning into a robot on the stream, so as long bit. as you can hear – can you hear me okay Sound still? Fine. Sound okay, fine. that's good. No one wants to look at what I look like anyway. So, okay. So how do you, before we get to the next topic, then how do we get, um, well, I guess is how we do it because instead of tinkering around the edges and making small changes, this is, would be a fundamental change to make a big decision, a big move on either Besser and or Miller. This off season. It's a change that makes the team worse. Yeah. Which is a problem because this might be a playoff team, right? We talked about this before the season and we thought that they were a playoff team with this roster. The roster hasn't changed. The coach changed and things got a lot better. And they looked like the team we expected them to be from, from opening night. So you can look at that and say, okay, well maybe they are a middle, you know, like a four, five, six seed um, in, in a conference, right? Maybe they are a two or three spot in a division worthy, um, like sort of the LA Kings were this year. Um, but everyone's a year older that JT Miller, you know, 
are you really going to keep him and, you know, for that one run that, you know, it's, it's, it's tricky, right? Do you trade JT Miller and then try to flip the assets you get for another player that can fill that role? Um, yeah, it's, it's a really, really not easy scenario because you're, you're trading away your best player from this year, right? Yeah. Maybe second, maybe third best, but from this year, I'd say he's your best player. Um, and you, you know, you either have to fill that hole, uh, with one player or you have to fill it by committee. And, you know, that's a, that is a big ask for, you know, I don't need like, who are you going to, who are you going to bring up? Right. Yeah. Gonna, you, Will Lockwood's not taking that spot, <laughs> right? Nick Patan isn't taking that spot. Um, <laughs> So do you, you'd have to go out and, and do something in free agency and then spend the money that you just avoid. But it's, it's a really tricky scenario and it's impossible to trade JT Miller without taking a step back. Um, unless you are somehow able to turn those assets into like a top three pick and a player that'll make an impact day one, but yeah. that's unlikely. Right. Um, yep. Yeah. So there it's a, it's a real balancing act and, and they sort of have to make the decision this off season. Like, are we going to commit to, you know, sort of being good in two to three years instead of trying to be good this year. Yeah. Uh, and it's sort of the long-term versus the short-term play. Yep. And do you think the new management, you just looking at who's there, you think they might be, and because it's a fresh start, they might be more patient, more, apt to tear things down than Benning was. Obviously, Benning felt the pressure to win now, and that's why he made certain trades, i.e. Ekman, Larson, and Garland, so on and so forth. Yeah, I, yeah. I get that vibe. Yeah. The only thing that worries me is the age of Jim Rutherford, right? Yeah. He's, what, 77, something like that? Like, that yep. sort of clicks in my head. Like, man, if I was 77, like, you think, like, Pete Carroll and, uh, on the Seahawks and this whole, like, quarterback <laughs> conversation, it's like, oh, are they going to draft somebody? Are they going to just tank this year? It's like... I, just, I don't think Pete wants to tank. Like he looks old. Uh, like he's, he's really, he's way up there. And I, I'm worried that Jim Rutherford might be in a similar boat. Yeah. Um, and I, I sort of think about Boudreaux as well, right? Boudreaux's up there. Um, yep. You know, he's, he's signed for next year on what seems to be a team option, but I have no right. doubt they'll bring him back. Yeah. Um, yeah. We made Rutherford a, too old, by the way, he's only 73. We gave him four extra oh. years. Oh, well then he's good for a four year rebuild. Let's go. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's, uh, there's so many things to sort of balance, but if they have a replacement in mind, you know, if they, if they can trade JT Miller for like two first round picks and like two top tier prospects, and then make a trade like the one they made for JT Miller, where they trade one first round pick and get a JT Miller caliber player. That's, that's sort of what they have to do. They have to, they sort of have to moneyball it a little bit and, uh, yep. and and pull something crazy off you know with rutherford being 73 years old and boudreaux being 67 average age of 70 or combined age of 140 i wonder if that's the oldest president coach gotta combo be. yeah gotta be <laughs> at no least alvin's young and all the agms are young granado yeah. and caston gay and clancy but yeah that, that's a there's some not a lot of hair there not that i should talk but you know what i'm saying <laughs> yeah um all right so that we have some other topics to touch on quickly. Yeah. Um, we have uh, Linus Carlson setting the Swedish league rookie goal scoring record, stealing Elias Pettersson's record. Uh, wow. 25 goals. He is, I think three or four years older than Pettersson was at the time. Okay. I think three years older than Pettersson was. And he was, but Hey, 
this is the guy that we got for Dolan, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so this, yeah, this is basically uh, Alex Burroughs now, right? Because Burroughs yes. got traded for Dolan and Dolan got traded for Carlson. Wow. Yeah. So he kind of forgot about him. Yeah. He's 22. Yeah. Um, and he sort of, yeah, he sort of broke out this year, right? Like last year, he played in the, the last couple of years, he's played in the sort of second tier league. Mm-hmm. Um, and Elite Prospects is now broken. So I can't, there we go. Um, so in 2019 20, he had uh, 40 points in 48 games in the second tier league. And then last year, he had 51 points, 52 games in the second tier league. So a point per game player in the second tier league, it's not great. But when you make that jump to the Swedish league, uh, and now he has 26 goals, 20 assists for 46 points in 52 games as a 22 year old uh, in that league, he is second on his team in points behind Jonathan Johnson, uh, which is a name double J uh, <laughs> and he's Swedish. You'd think that's the most American name of all time. Uh, uh, he has double the points of teammate Jace Howerluck. Uh, Ooh, that guy <laughs> uh, who he plays on the same team as apparently. Uh, so yeah, he is, uh, he's, he's looking like a decent player and someone who, you know, will hopefully slot into the American league next year. Um, and, uh, could maybe be, uh, a depth piece down the line. It must be Jonathan Johnson then, but anyway, uh, scout, thank you for the $3 maybe. donation. We appreciate oh. you very much. And we will make sure that your question is the first one we get to once we get to our Q and a, but I, I don't want to wreck the flow of what we're talking about, but we'll get back to you. For sure. We'll work it down 1053. He sent a sticker and all it says on here is super sticker. Yeah, but then uh, he asked a question right after. So I thought maybe oh, did he? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll get to it. We'll get to that shortly. I, I started. Okay, awesome. Um other quick topics. Uh Aiden McDonough returns northeastern. Yeah. Uh he scored a big goal for them uh to force overtime in their in their playoff game. Uh then they lost. Um and he had the talk with Canucks management. And decided that he's going to go back. Now, when you go back for your senior year, after you complete it, you the team loses your rights July 1st, right? I think it's July 1st or around there. Uh, actually, I looked at August 15th. August 15th. August, August 15th. 15th. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, yeah. his rights expire August 15th of 2023. Correct. So if he wants to, he can play all of next year, which he's going to in college. And then he'll probably be done his season in late March, early April, like this year. And then there's basically a four month window where the Canucks have his rights, um, where they can either sign him or lose him for nothing, uh, yeah. or try to trade his rights for a late pick. Um, we've seen it. We've seen it happen before, right? Jimmy VC is yeah. a good example. He was sort of a marquee example and he didn't turn out to be that great. Anyways. Um, <laughs> I think McDonough was what a seventh round pick for the Canucks. Yeah. He was late. He's late, but he's he's yeah seventh round pick who who sort of uh, exploded out of there. So he was out of the USHL uh, in his draft year, had forty two points, fifty games, uh, left winger. Then he went to Northeastern, and he's had three really good years um, on that team. Not really an explosion in points, right? First year twenty seven points in thirty one games. Second year twenty and twenty one. This year thirty nine and thirty eight. But the goals have increased um, from eleven to ten to twenty five. Wow, uh, so wow. he stepped he stepped up in the goals department um and from all accounts he is uh you know he's the leading scorer on his team uh by 12 points um so you know he could be uh, a decent piece 
Yeah, I saw a lot of people, Parker, freaking out on Twitter. Oh, that means he's as good as gone. But I, I went back and looked at two relative examples of Canucks players. And Jack Rathbone, we just went through this two years ago, and he signed on July 15. So it kind of a little close, but he signed with yeah. a month to go. And Will Lockwood, I looked up, he signed in March of his year. So uh, I, I can't actually remember of a high-profile college signing that the Canucks have lost because they did Besser, they did Gaudette, they did Stetcher, they did all different scenarios, but they did Hughes, obviously. They did, uh, um, yeah, and 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 Rathbone and, and Lockwood. So I don't know what everyone's freaking out about, to be honest with you. Yeah, and he was he was a seventh-round pick, um, yeah. you know, last pick in the draft. That's one of those scenarios where he wasn't sort of like a marquee name. Uh, sure. And I think, I think that helps, right? It keeps, you know, there's sort of some loyalty there of like, hey, they're the team that, that picked me. Um, He's not Adam Fox is what you're saying. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Uh, He was picked 20 picks before Arvid Kostamar, who, who's a Canucks prospect uh, as well. Uh, I'm just looking at this draft class. Um, Niels Hoaglander has the fourth most games played out of anyone in this draft class. As a second rounder. Wow. Yeah. As the, as the, what was he? 40th overall. Yeah. 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 I think, I think they'll sign him from all accounts. It sounds like he'll, 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 join up but uh basically means that his contract won't start till next year uh, although mm-hmm. i think it's probably only a two year at that point i don't know how it works it gets it gets really confusing because sometimes yeah. the change is based on age well wow. right and then yeah something like an advantage of burning one of his three years on his contract yeah. gets into whatever yeah we'll worry about that next year <laughs> yeah next year problem um all right that was everything i had all right one thing so, uh Oh yeah, real quick. Um, Edmund saying, "Is Huglander still injured?" Yes, Huglander, Dickinson, and Highmore all 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 injured. All top twelve guys. So that's why we see Patan, Chase on, and take your pick between Richardson and whoever uh, as as extra forwards right now that are playing in our bottom six. Oh, Lockwood, I guess that's why Lockwood. we have Lockwood, Patan, and Chase on in as opposed to Dickinson, Highmore, and Huglander. Too bad. Yeah, unfortunate. Tough t- yeah. yeah. All right, let's take some cues, some questions. Go back to uh, scouts. We'll with, yeah, we'll start with scout. Um, do you guys think we can ship out one of Myers or Larson with Garland for draft picks? This is what we did last summer. So your thought is Garland has positive value. Uh, Myers and Larson likely don't, although we did hear maybe Myers actually does. Uh, and if hmm. Travis Hamlet can have value, maybe anyone can. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's definitely possible. I think garland's in the in the doghouse at least tonight and he uh he's definitely struggled this year um it's weird because you watch him play and you don't think he would have but he just he just isn't producing um which is unfortunate i don't know if they're gonna give up on garland yet i i think he he has positive value for sure right he he's on a pretty cheap contract uh he is he's well regarded uh, he's, you know, everyone likes watching him. He, he has all those sort of, you know, you watch him play and you're like, okay, this is the kind of guy I want on my team. Uh, but you have to wonder, you know, do if the management group thinks that what he was this year is actually the player he is, uh, but other teams think higher of him, then that's where you get value, right? If you, mm-hmm. if, if your scouts have him lower than other teams scouts, well, then you can sell them for more, uh, yeah. and then go get the guys that your scouts like, um, so they could do something like that. I I, I don't that OEL contract's gonna be tough. 
to get rid of. Although I say that, but I, I bet there's a couple GMs who probably like, oh, big D-man leader intangibles. I want that guy. And, and they probably yep. could get something for Larson or at least get rid of him for nothing. If they can pull something like that off, uh, I think you do that in a heartbeat. I agree with you. And I think with Garland, I also agree with you. I think it's too early to quote, give up on him. This is year one of five, right? His five-year contract. Yep. Yeah. No, I, I see. I, he'll, he might not be your primary scoring threat on the first line right wing, but he can certainly be a good secondary complementary piece. And we've seen enough flashes. So yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I don't think you pull the trigger on a Garland trade just yet. I am in a similar boat. Yeah. Uh, unless you get a lot for him. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um, let's see here. What else? I like Kai's got? question from 1059. Thoughts on the 40, 53, 6 line. They have played decent, but for me, this isn't the most effective way to use PD, both sort of a puck dominant player. So, you know what's interesting, Parker, is I was talking to my brother Jason at my meetup on Saturday, and he's not as vocal or as outspoken as I am, but he certainly studies the game. He understands the game and he reads and watches a lot of stuff. He told me, and he told me something that I paid attention to tonight, and I would agree with him. He told me that Horvat, in his eyes, um, well, how did he say it? He doesn't process the game super well he's not at all saying he's not good or not smart or whatever but uh, i watched him tonight and there are two times maybe one of them was actually that 60 percent one you're talking about where where i think that he could have made a better play on the power play and he just shot from the bumper where i didn't think he had a really good uh, chance so I, I do see what kai's saying is horvat a lot of centers they're the playmaker but horvat likes to shoot he loves to shoot and a lot of times plays start and end on a stick. So uh, I don't want to make this a big deal, but it was just an interesting comment my brother made. And I I, I saw some of it tonight. I'm not sure what you, what you think about that. Yeah, I think it's fair. I think Bo sort of, you know, he's always been called a bull. And I think he sort of yeah. embodies that a little bit where he sort of head down, yeah. goes, get, goes and gets the puck and, and makes the play. Um, and I think it's fair. I think I think he has the tools that that are maybe a little bit better than uh his his hockey iq i yeah. but i don't think he's like i don't think he's like a below average or like right. much below average i think he's probably like not the best uh, in that regard but i don't think he's terrible yep. um yep yep but yeah I, I think that is fair i i do sort of agree i think uh, at least with kai i think Pedersen. you know i want to see him out there with you know miller and besser is sort of like what i want to see yeah the problem yeah. is that I don't know that there's so many different combinations and they all work sometimes and sometimes they don't. There's no real rhyme or reason to it. Uh, and if they had won this game, we would all be saying, man, that line looked good or yeah. the Miller yeah. line looked good, right? They, they were dominant, especially second period. JT Miller's line was dominating the play. You put Patterson with him. Maybe something changes. Maybe something doesn't. Um, Chemistry is a weird thing and momentum is yep. a weird thing. Yep. And with the injuries that we talked about with no Huglander and Dickinson, especially, if you want to put all three down the middle, Miller, Besser, and sorry, Miller, PD, and Horvat, that means someone's playing with two not so great wingers. And I, you simply can't, you have to, the way this team is structured right now with injuries, you have to load up the top six. And that means that one guy is playing in the, uh, on the wing when he's naturally a center, or that's what happens when you put Miller in the middle, basically. Yeah. Yep. Um, Sharms asks, thoughts on Dermot? We've had a week. Uh, of Travis Dermott, a few games. What have you What have you seen so far? I think he's been fine. Uh, um, 
you don't want to be too noticeable when you're a third pairing D-man. I do like his versatility. I've seen him and Hunt actually switch places on the fly, depending. Well, every defense pair does that, but uh, Dermot can play on the right side. He did a lot of that tonight. Uh, he's a good skater. We saw that. Um, I think he's been fine. He hasn't been amazing. He was on the goal uh, on the ice for a couple of the goals tonight, but uh, he certainly hasn't hurt the team. And I think um, when you look at the big picture, I think that was a that was a good swap, uh, more or less for for Hamannik. How about you? I agree. I think he's been fine. I, I think he skates pretty well. Um, I think I think being a D man is probably one of the harder things to slot into on a new team, uh, at least systemically. Um, and you know, mm -hmm. you're working with a new partner. Defensive partner chemistry is really important. Um, mm -hmm. and you know, again, even in like a beer league, you play with the <laughs> same guy a lot, and you know, you just start knowing where they are, and you know, you know, there's only two of you, so you sort of <laughs> figure out the scenarios of like, oh, we have a three on two, I'm gonna do this because I know he's gonna do that, and you sort of you sort of just know what each other are gonna do. Uh, he hasn't had that time yet. Uh, and he hasn't really had, you know, he, you know, who knows who he's going to end up playing with, but, uh, I, I think being a D man, it, it really helps to build up chemistry and learn. He's got to learn sort of the system and, and, and what, you know, what Boudreaux wants him to do. And yeah. I think, uh, I think he's been totally fine so far. Uh, and I'm really not, uh, not too concerned. Yep. I agree with you. I agree with you. All right. Um, Alex Fierro, how do you like uh, Lockwood's play so far? Uh, is it possible to keep him in the lineup over Chase Song? Well, it's, it's definitely possible. Um, and I think if they lose more games, that's probably what happens. Yeah. Uh, although he's called up on an emergency basis right now, right? So I think mm -hmm. if someone comes back, he probably has to get sent down uh, legally per the, per the NHL. Um, <laughs> so maybe it's not possible to keep him up if, if no one's hurt. Uh, but I thought he's been, he seems like he's been a bit of a, um, at least today, there was the one play where he sort of got caught with his head down and got, and mm. took a pretty big hit. Um, and I think he's sort of, he's probably just a little bit excited, a little bit over eager, um, which is fine. You know, that's uh, fine. As long as you don't get, get yourself hurt. Um, yeah. I, I think he's, he played okay. Yeah, it's unfortunate that the first goal went off of his stick. It's not his fault. It's just a weird, weird play. He was trying to do the right thing and, and block a shot. But yeah, I think his ice time went up. I think it, we were talking about this, right? He had eight minutes on Saturday. He had just under 11 today, so slowly going up. And uh, I thought he was effective, especially in the first period. I think that's fair. Yeah. Um, Edmund asked, do you think that Alvin may try to move Dickinson? I'm sure he will. I'm yeah. not sure he'll be able to. Yeah, that's a tough one. Yeah, That's a, we we haven't seen any good thing about him. Like I'm, I'm sure he's a good guy, but we haven't seen it on the ice just yet. Yeah, really hasn't worked out. Uh, but yeah. if they can get anything for it, uh, or for him, uh, I think you just take it. You get out of that contract, and you you try to pay someone. We've been saying you don't want to be paying anyone three million dollars in your bottom six, really, because that's that's sort of where. And you much rather have Tyler Mott for that money than you would have yes. uh, Jason Dickinson. Um, so I think if they can, if they're able to pull out anything for Dickinson, I think they do. I just am not sure. I'm sure he probably still has a bit of that, uh, that luster to him from the previous uh, or from his time in Dallas potentially. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's probably wearing off a little bit. Yep. That's fair. I agree with you. All right. Any other ones you want to take here? Uh, da -da, da -da, da -da. 
Uh, let's go RP88. Um, who do you think would be the next call up from Abby? You know, I I do think that if the Canucks, it sounds kind of morbid, but if the Canucks do get eliminated in the next little bit, mathematically, I would love to see Jack Rathbone uh, yeah. now that he's healthy again. I'd love to see him, and you can, I'd love to see him with Dermot. See what happens. Uh, Hunt's been great, but let's he's not going to be around a long time. Let's let's see what Rathbone can do. But I, I'm not in a huge rush if it, it's if it's not till next season. It's not till next season. But he's the one guy I would look for. Yep, I'm in the same boat. Again, it's yep. it's a little tricky because of the whole emergency call-up scenario because I think after the trade deadline, you only get four call-ups legally. Yep. Um, oh, okay. Unless you have a bunch of people injured, then you can call them up on an emergency basis and then those don't count. Uh, so right. it's kind of where the... Uh, kind of where the, where the Canucks are, I think. Okay, that makes sense. All right, do we want to wrap up? Sure. All right. Thank you guys very much for joining. We'll be back next Monday. If you missed any part of the show, you can rewind back to the beginning or you can find it on your favorite podcast platform in a matter of about 15 minutes or so. So go do that. Um, even if you already watched all of it, just put it on in the background because uh, <laughs> it helps us out. Um, Clay, any parting words for this evening? Yeah, I'm not. I'm realistic, but I'm not too down. The Canucks played well on this road trip. They really did. So, And they got five out of eight points. I've said it a couple times. But you can't fault them for their effort. You can't fault them for, for being gamers. But you also can't fault them. Well, I guess you sort of can for being so far behind in the first three months that it's 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 really going to take a miracle. I believe in miracles, but I'm not sure if I'm going to believe in this one because we, we laid it out pretty good. So let's see what happens. St. Louis again, and then Vegas, only a very light week. So we only have two games to talk about next week, but uh, that's pretty easy. I'm going to, I'm saying they're going one Oh and one. How about you? <laughs> two and oh. I want the hope. Think Love of it. how fun if next week, and then they'll only have to win nine of their last 12, which is way more doable. Um, <laughs> That's the thing. If they go and win both these games, you get that little bit of hope again. Yeah. And that's, you know, it'll hurt, but it is fun. There you go. Um, all right. Thank you guys for hanging out with us, and we will see you uh, next week.